Welcome to the Twilight Zone. My gong is out of action, so I am serenely sitting here, speaking like a dick, and trying to be funny, but I'm not. So let me talk about something that is more serious, something that you guys will find more interesting. And that is this. I am finally going to answer some questions. Well, it's more of a pestering. And answer this one question. Why have I not spoken more often about the Baguazhang masters? In particular, why have I never mentioned Sun Lu Tong? Well, I've never been bothered to, really. And I have really I had really nothing to say until now. So I thought while I'm doing these series of podcasts on the Baguazhang Taoist cultivation, I thought why not? Why not talk about Sun Lu Tong? Since he gets a lot of mention and he gets put up on a pedestal. Well, here here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with the guy. He's a great guy. I've never met him. Um but it, let me talk about Bagua Zhang. Let me go back to the beginning. Now, for some of you who argue and say before Grandmaster Dong Hai Chuan, Bagua Zhang existed. Yes, it did. It probably did in many different forms, and one is basically Zhuanzang, which is walking the circle and changing the palms. This is actually quite ancient in itself, and it can goes way back thousands of years to shamanic practices. Some people say it came from Tibet. Others say it came from Mongolia. Others say it came from somewhere in Siberia. Others say it came from Persia. Blah 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 blah. The fact is, walking in a circle is a very human thing to do. We do it even when we're just thinking. And when we're just thinking, you know, when we're pacing up and down on a carpet, we we're walking in a circle back and forth. It's kind of like a circle. And the difference between a shaman and when we're doing is a shaman knows they're doing it deliberately to get into a trance-like state so they can talk to the spirits or go into a higher state of being. We're doing it because we're just trying to solve a problem. But we also in a very subconscious way go on a trance-like state, but it's just not as um methodical, thought out, ritualistic. It's just something that happens and it's on a, a lower vibration. And we may have amazing ideas. So to all of you, we're going back ancient history here, maybe prehistory as well. Yes, it did exist. What master grandmaster Dong Hai Chuan is famous for is for codifying it and creating the modern version of Baguazhang that all the modern lineages usually take their descent from. Except for the people who do Yin-Yang Baguazhang or Yin-Yang Bagua Panjang. So, let's see the master grandmaster Dong Hai Chuan as first generation. Then you have so he's the creator. Then you have second generation. 
These guys were Cheng, Yin, and maybe Fu. What they did was they took Grandmaster Dong Hai Chuan's basic form or original form or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And they molded it into slightly different versions. So there isn't just one true version of Bagua Zhang. Even Grandmaster Dong Hai Chuan deliberately set it out like that because he taught students who were already masters of other different martial art forms so that they could create their own version. It's a form of propagation. Now, Grandmaster Sun Lu Tong, who was born from 1860 and lived until 1933, what he is famous for is that he was the first person to write or produce a manual that was widely distributed throughout China and eventually throughout the rest of the world. This is the key difference between him and the others. The others all were very more learn the 36 forms or the 48 poems or whatever you call it. Go very deep, very mystical, keep secrets. It's a secret art. We don't want other people to know. And he brought it out into the world, you could say. And he was the first to do it. That is his um, first claim to fame. Now, what also made him important is that I've, I've read his manual in English twice because, you know, you hear great things about it and you want to know, get deeper. But the English version uh, pretty much states, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, that Baguazhang is a form of inner cultivation that helps to ward off disease and it prolong life. That's a critical thing to understand. That is deeply, deeply important and critical to understand. Because those things come from the fact that he's a Taoist scholar. But he was wording it in such a way that the ordinary man could pick it up and go, Aha, uh -huh, if I learn Bagua Zhang, I will help to get it'll help me to get healthier, and which is which is what warding off disease means. And I'll be able to live a little bit longer so I can play with my grandkids. Now, we're not talking about nowadays where people live naturally to eight, 84 years of age. No, we're talking back way back when, when you were lucky to see your 40th birthday, especially if you were a peasant. Now, Baguazhang, like all martial arts that are codified, the only people in China who could learn it, and pretty much the only people who could learn swordsmanship around the world, were all um, educated coming from middle class to upper middle class families, basically the bourgeoisie. The peasants didn't have time. The peasants were more like running around in the fields, and they had to make do with whatever they had. That was the truth. And what they had, the peasants, was sweet fuck all. They didn't have access to manuals. They didn't have access, more importantly, they didn't even have the time to dedicate their life to a pursuit that supposedly 
for a peasant doesn't go anywhere. It's not like you put rice in the field, you, you nurture it and it grows and you have rice and you go and eat it. As a scholar, you're learning something that you may or may not get to use in your life to protect yourself. You may not. You're not the first target when the bandits come down off the hill. You, you're the last one because you're the one who can defend himself and are well armed already with your high walls, your guards, your weapons. Bandits, if they want easy prey, they go attack the peasants. So Sun Lutong also said in his manual that his book on Baguazhang is uh, good for the scholars. But he also mentioned that you have to do the forms. You can't just read it. Now where modern people studying it get lost is the fact that a lot of people who read his manual have never really read pretty much other Chinese books. So there is no background basis on when they're reading it. So it comes across as this deep and esoteric manual that they study, you know, to try to get true depth of meaning. And the fact is, he himself points out in his manual that if you want true understanding of what Baguazhang is about, you have to read the I Ching. You have to study the I Ching because that is its parent. And you have to read and study the art of war. You have to understand it. Both those books are Taoist in the sense before Taoism, the scholarly pursuit, philosophical Taoism even existed. I know that's hard to for some people to grasp that before Lao Tzu, the Taoism actually existed in China. So you have to read those two books. Without those two books, many of the concepts he's talking about in the manual don't make sense or hard to grasp. Grasp. I hope I mentioned the P. It's vitally, vitally important because the manual itself is actually really short. The other part of it, if you really, really want to go into the esoteric part of it, and this is something that even I'm reminded of again and again and again. And that is, you have to understand what the, the deeper meaning of the characters in Chinese. And for a lot of Chinese, when they read it, they actually do sometimes read it in English as, as, a, as a cross-reference. Because what happens in Chinese, like for example, you could be... Re it's I'll give you another example. It's like reading the back of a chip of a crackers crisp packet on the back sometimes in Chinese you'll have like three or four different versions or Chinese texts all saying the same thing. One is in simplified mainland Chinese for the mainland market. One is in traditional Chinese for the Hong Kong market. And one is for the Taiwanese market and another one might be for the Singaporean market. And you're going, I know the difference between simplified and traditional characters. Yeah, essentially they are saying all the same thing. But when you go deeper, you find that 
what is actually written for each market is slightly different. The Taiwanese market, they use traditional sometimes or simplified, but they write in this flowery language because they're heavily influenced by the Japanese. You go over to Macau, for example, and they're strongly influenced by the Portuguese, so their version of Cantonese is different to Hong Kong version of Cantonese. The problem with Hong Kong Cantonese is that it's mostly all slang. It's totally different from the people over in Guangdong who speak the more traditional Cantonese. And then the wording and text is different. It's it's the difference between British English and American English. It's not just the way the words are spelled. It's also the way the sentences are made and the grammar changes. I know for some of you, you're listening to me and I'm over here in Australia, in Sydney. Actually, I'm not in Sydney. I'm up north. I'm up in Nelson Bay. I'm having my annual leave. But some of you will have a hard time, even in English, understanding what I'm saying. You're going, what the fuck's he talking about? I don't understand. And it's not because you don't understand. You understand my words perfectly. But I'm coming across to you with with a mix of Australian grammar. We're not even talking about the slang side of it. Because I'm not going, G'day mate, how's it going? No. But then again, I grew up in New Zealand. So, I've got a bit of, sometimes a New Zealand accent coming through. You know, it, my my speech swings between fosh and chops to fish and chips. And for you Americans, it's like, what the fuck's he talking about? Yeah. Now, if you're Australian or you're New Zealander, you know exactly what I'm getting on about when I go fosh and chops and fish and chips. And then on my other background from my mom's side, because she's from South Africa and I have a very strong background there, sometimes I'm also speaking with a South African accent. And it can confuse a lot of people. But that's just an example of what I'm getting at. When you read his manual in Chinese, they need the English just to go back and forth to go, okay, he's saying this and not that. It's to stop the Chinese from misinterpreting what they're reading in Chinese. Sometimes we feel that the English doesn't get the translation right, but there's a lot of times actually the English translation is better than the Chinese translation of the original ancient Chinese. And then on top of that, if you know about Chinese numerology, uh, if you know and, and how to count strokes, you'll know that if the character is miswritten, it can have a totally different meaning to a properly written character. The simplified character of dragon means something different to the traditional character when you go deeper. So the hidden meanings can have layers upon layers upon layers. And it's like going down a rabbit hole. But I'm digressing massively. What I'm getting at is Sun Lutong was a Taoist scholar who studied the I Ching and the art of war, and he used it to help anchor it to other Chinese people when they want to learn Bagua Zhang. Most of the book is a whole series of pictures, 
which they have to follow. And it was designed, it was like the, one of the first manuals designed to help someone who doesn't have a master, who hasn't come across it, to be able to learn it. But it still takes years and years and years of practice, even if you only do the first palm change and walk the circle for years. That's better than nothing. So for those of you who are just learning it, Baguazhang, do read his manual. Go through it. It's a great cultivation manual to start off with. For those of you who want to go deeper, read the I Ching. Definitely you have to read it. And the um, commentaries that go along with it. That's if you want to go deeper. But once you go deeper, you're definitely going down the Taoist path of self-cultivation. But for everyone else, self-cultivation, if you're going to the gym and you're just using and you're just exercising, you're doing a form of self-cultivation. If you're just going to the health food store and you want to eat healthier, you're doing a form of self-cultivation. If you're doing yoga practice, you're doing a form of self-cultivation. Fuck, if you're just going for a walk, it's a form of self-cultivation. But the important thing here is you're consciously aware of you're deliberately doing it. And yeah... What else is this? What else is there to say about the guy? I've never met him. Wish I had. He lived a long life. Oh, a good seventy-three years. That, by Chinese standards, back then was amazing. You know, hell for a lot of con- a lot of places around the world today. Seventy-three years is pretty good. It's a blessing to be able to live that long. It really is. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. I, I, I hope I have addressed a lot of questions around them. You're welcome to ask me any more questions. Um, if you feel uh, I've gone too light on the subject, um, fuck it. I don't care. There, there isn't much else except to tell you, read the book, study it, read what he has to say, and um, go deeper for yourself. Again, you are the one who has to go deeper. You can't, you can't, it's not about arguing and debating and finding the truth through conflict. If you're really on the path to becoming a Baguazhang practitioner who's trying to cultivate themselves, you will find yourself coming to a place where you'll stop arguing with people and stop trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. And you'll start looking for your path. You'll start trying to understand what all of this stuff means to you. 
Your journey on becoming one with the Tao is your journey. You need to have your foundation. You need to understand what Jing is. You need to understand in your own experience what Zin is. You need to understand what Qi is in your own experience. And ultimately, you need to understand what Xin is from the Baguazhang perspective and from the Taoist perspective and from whatever martial art you've chosen to be your route to get there. It's your journey and it will be a lonely journey. It's not a group effort. Even when you're with a group, it's still just you. And you have to be aware that there will be people who will come and join you and people who will then leave you after a while when they've had enough. You need to be aware that there will be people who will just be dabblers. You will need to be aware there will be people who will talk big but haven't got a fucking clue of what they're talking about because they're not coming from the place of experience. They're coming from the rules, for example. And you usually know those people, they have a lot of rules of how it's supposed to be. I remembered once when I was in high school, there was this guy. I was in a boys' school, okay? And uh, he was a nice friend. And he used to tell everyone, oh, you don't know what true love is about. That's what he used to say. And everyone, all the boys would go, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, to have true love, you must have this, this and that and experience that. And it was this romantic, poetic notion that popped up and all the boys went, have you ever experienced that? He goes, no, but that's what the poets say. That's what the, you got to have true love like this and that. And as we know, you know, there are boys in school who have gone down to the girls' school down the road and they've got girlfriends. And some of them are serious, some of them are light. And we ask them, so what is true love like for you guys? And they go this and that. And they go, well, is it anything like what the poets say? And they go, what the fuck have you been smoking? No. And they go, it's not like that at all. And they go, we wish it were, but it's not. And I go, and then we go, what makes it, you know, true? And they go, well, we don't know. We're in the thick of it. But uh, we can tell you there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. Maybe once in a blue moon, something comes close to what the poets say. But the experience of it is completely different. And this is just boys talking about what love is. And we're talking about boys in a boys' school who are not even thinking about love. Boys in a boys' school, all they want to do is fuck and have sex. And they that's all they think about. So to have a guy go on about romantic true love is like, fuck you. Like, are you even still a boy? You know, like, you know. So that example is just to explain that you you just got to speak your truth. And for us who are walking that path, we know when you're speaking the truth because we can sense it, we can feel it.
It's a bit like what I've mentioned lightly in my book, The Jin of War, which is about Jin Gong. Jin Gong is the external version of Qigong. Qigong, is a, Qigong cultivation is a very internal thing, where Jin Gong is the point of where it stops being internal, becomes external. It's what connects all us brothers, you could say, all us spiritual brothers together. Now, other martial arts may not have Jin Gong. Some of them have something called Fa Jin. But that's their version. Sun Lutong doesn't talk about Jin Gong. He was at the forefront and at the early stages where the codification of Ba Guizhang was still a very new thing. He just took it to the next level by writing the book, which is an important step. He basically codified it. He helped to codify it and he helped by being the first. He allowed other masters to show him that, yeah, you can publish it and you can bring it out there. It's not something that has to be a secret. Especially if you want to share it with other people. The secret part... Oh, we get hooked into it. We just love mysteries. We love secrets. We, we want to find the, the hidden truth. And that only comes through experience. So go ahead. Read his book. It's a very short book. You may find yourself actually glancing through it. But pause for a moment and read it properly. And especially read the prefaces and the appendixes of the other masters who, who have added their little blurb to it as well at the beginning. You know, they are actually saying some very important things, but they're saying it very lightly because it's, it's for the masses. Now, by Chinese standards, when we say for the masses, it's like... Taoism was, was very much like, like a very niche, very small community. And yeah, it's, it's like finding the words to or explain what it about when, when the people around you um, don't quite get it. Anyway, I'm going to go back and enjoy my break, which is also important. Sometimes you just got to stop and, you know, enjoy the sunshine, swim in the pool and live life a little bit before getting back to doing my Bhagavad Gita.